Welcome to Headlines. This is Ari Wasserman sitting in for David Lichtenstein. Today we are going to be talking about a very relevant topic. Does yeshiva prepare us for life after yeshiva and what chinuch is necessary? In fact, we're going to talk about a number of related issues. What preparation is necessary if somebody wants to head out from yeshiva to kola? We're going to talk about outside of Israel. Somebody wants to head out and start working. What skills, what preparations are necessary? In fact, what do yeshiva graduates say would be helpful for them when they had left yeshiva and the like. What skills would they have liked to have had? What preparations would they have liked to have been prepared for? And we'll also talk about when it comes to yeshiva, should a yeshiva a kola consider it as part of their goals or part of their responsibilities to prepare their talmidim for life after yeshiva? Certainly they are in many ways, but how about for preparation for a life, a parnasa, a life of parnasa? after yeshiva, should that be on the agenda as well? When somebody heads out, should they study a trade or can they go straight into business without halachic, hashkafic preparation? Can you be successful or not? And we'll also talk about what are the primary challenges nowadays when somebody heads out to the secular workplace. We have three very experienced and knowledgeable guests joining us today. We are going to start out with Rabbi Aaron Lopiansky, the Rosh Yeshiva of Yeshiva of Greater Washington to Ferris Yisrael, a prolific author and a renowned speaker. And as everyone knows, he is the author of the book. He wrote the book, Orchos Chaim Ben Torah for Life. Then we are going to speak with Rabbi Yamin Rappaport, just a little bit about Rabbi Rappaport. He has smicha from BMG over 20 years ago. Subsequently, he was a Rosh Chabura in the Mary Yeshiva for a number of years. And then he got a number of degrees in applied positive psychology and clinical sociology and he is using those in order to help. He has helped, in fact, hundreds of students find a path towards financial independence. He is a career guidance counselor nowadays, focused on those who have decided that it has come their time to leave yeshiva, and he indeed helps them find the right path for them. And then we are going to go and speak with Rav Zvulin Schwartzman. Rav Schwartzman is the Rosh Kolo of base Ulpana Romeima Moshe. He is the grandson of Rav Aaron Kohler, the founder of the Lakewood Yeshiva. In order to introduce our topic uh, more thoroughly, I'm going to read from a haskama at the beginning of Rabbi Lopiansky's work. This is a haskama from Rav Aaron Feldman, who is the Rosh Yeshiva of Neri Yisrael in Baltimore. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but from the beginning, he says as follows, it is a fact of our Yeshiva educational system that a good proportion of our students do not end up in Torah-related careers and and therefore find themselves thrust, often unprepared, into an environment whose values and behaviors are radically different from their accustomed ones. The transition can be a difficult one and navigating it requires guidance. Surprisingly, this problem has never been addressed by our Rosh Yeshiva. So that's uh, certainly an important point. Rabbi Lopiansky did address it and we are going to go into further important detail today getting uh, an update on what's happening in the secular workplace and talk about other avenues and necessary preparations and skills in order to get into the secular workplace. I 
do want to hark back to Parshas Lech Lecha. And uh, what's going on in Parshas Lech Lecha that we'll focus on is Avram heard that Lot was taken captive and he arms his Chanichim, he arms his uh, students apparently. The Pasuk says as follows, Verakas Chanich Avrasi brings as follows. This is talking about Eliezer that indeed Avram Avinu had been Mechamech Chanachim. He had educated him to do mitzvahs. And what is this word Chanichav or Chinuch? What's this language? So this is initiating somebody into something. He says it can be a person or it can be a vessel that you're initiating. And that individual, it's something that they're getting into that in the future as well, he is destined to stick with it. We'll explain what that means shortly. As it says in the famous Pasuk that we initiate and now are somebody who is young for Chinuch. So Rob Mayer Shapiro from Lublin says as follows. He focuses on this language of Rashi. When talking about Chinuch, that Chinuch has to be something that you are atid la'amorba. He says that when it comes to educating somebody when they're young, it has to be something that will be lasting. That if somebody teaches, if somebody teaches his son Torah when he's young, and he's not concerned about what will happen when that child grows up, that he will maintain who he is, that he will yishair Yehudi ben Torah. If that is not your concern, you're just doing for the short-term education, but for not for the long-term impact. That is not called a chinuch. So we have Rav Meir Shapiro telling us that when it comes to a chinuch, it has to be lasting. It has to be applicable for the future as well. Otherwise, it's not going to be called a chinuch at all. Something obviously that is a very important message when it comes to chinuch. Now, I just do want to say quickly a uh, an amazing Dvar Torah by Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky. Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky is talking about uh, when Esav wanted to kill Yaakov for quote-unquote stealing the Bechorah, so Yitzchak and Rivka instruct their son Yaakov, head off to the house of Lavon until things blow over. Yitzchak, he'll cool down in a while and then you'll be able to come back. And instead of heading straight to the house of Lavon, Yaakov Avinu stops over in Yeshiva, not for one night, not for a week, not for a year, not two years. Not for te- 14 years he's learning in the yeshiva of Shem Be'ever. And Rav Yaakov says what happened to his kibbutz Avayim. He was instructed to go to the house of Lavan and he goes to yeshiva. This is an analogy, a quasi-analogy. He says, uh, I'm going to change it a little bit, but he basically says that what happens if a mother is baking challah and she needs more flour. And she asks the son, please head out to the supermarket. I need more flour. And instead of going to the supermarket to buy the flour, he stops in yeshiva and he has a seder and he's learning there. That's not the right thing to do. He were told to go to the store. Go to the store. So what's going on here that Yaakov Avinu did not go to the house of Lava, but he stopped in Yeshiva for 14 years. Rav Yaakov Kamineski explains beautifully who were Shem Ve'ever. Shem, obviously the son of Noah, who lived through the Dor HaMabul, understanding the depravity of that generation the stealing and etc. that went on at that time. And then we also have Aver, who was also a descendant of Noah, and he lived through the Dor HaFlaga, which was a Kaviachal, an attack against the Kaddish Baruch Hu. They both 
live through depraved societies. And accordingly, this is a chinuch that was necessary for Yaakov Avinu. In fact, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky says her analogy would be as follows, not the mother asking the son to go to the supermarket when she needs flour and he goes to yeshiva, but we have a father asking his son, please go buy me a lulav, an escrog, the arba minim, and the son doesn't know what's a kosher lulav and an esrog. So what does he have to do? He has to go learn to Allah, because he has to go to the yeshiva in order to be successful in the task requested by his father. And that is why the son stops in the yeshiva in order to fulfill the request of the father. The same thing applies with Yaakov Avinu. He was instructed by Yitzchak and Rivka, head off to the house of Lavan, but to be able to survive at all in that environment, he had to learn from Shem Ve'ever, not from Avram and Yitzchak, who he had learned in yeshiva his whole life. That wasn't the type of Torah he needed now. That's the pristine and ideal Torah. But now, to be able to survive in a hostile environment, he has to learn from Shem Ve'ever, who had been successful in living through hostile environments. And indeed, that's what we're talking about today. The preparation necessary is going to be a different type of Torah than the Torah of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov that we learn in yeshivas. But going out into the work world is like going out to the house of Lavan. And indeed, a different type of preparation is necessary. I did uh, just uh, an additional point. There's a Bira Lach on Hilfa Shabbos. And he says something that's very instructive for us. He says as follows, Da. We're now in Hilcha Shabbos, Simon Shin Vav. And the Bira Lacha says as follows. I'll just read a couple snippets from what he says. There's a machlokas in the Gemara. If a father should teach his son a trade or not, that a father has an obligation to teach a child a trade and occupation, not only Torah, but a trade as well. And there's an interesting brackets there. And he says included in Umanos would be imlam or knowing how to do business. That's the shield to Agiborim. So that would be included. And then we have the sheet of Rabbi Norai who says, I'm only going to teach my child Torah. If you're taking the first approach and you're taking the approach that you need to choose a trade and teach your child a trade, he says as follows. This is the Biralacha. You have to know that it's not enough to just teach a trade. You have to be teaching your child from young Torah as well. Not only when young, but along the path of his doing his trade working in his trade, you have to be learning Torah, you have to be learning Yira Shamayim as well. If you're not trained, if you're not trained in advance along the way, you're going to wind up stealing from people and other problems as well, because that is the environment that we currently live and operate in when we are in the secular workplace. Very important words of the Bira Lacha, that indeed we have to know what we're getting into. It's not enough to simply, I'm going to go into business. It takes training in advance to know how to operate, to know what to do in order to avoid being involved in any Isurim. Before going to our guests, we'll quickly go through our riddle of the week. In Parsha Shmos, we have Klal Yisrael arriving down in Mitzrayim, all the way at the beginning of the Sefer, at the beginning of the Parsha, that they have gone to Mitzrayim. And this is going to be the first of our Goliaths, the first of our exiles. And there is actually a Remez 
at the beginning of the Parsha that teaches us that one of the ways, the methods of saving us when we are having challenges and difficulties, and this is going to apply not only in Mitzrayim, but uh, our topic as well, talking about living and working in the secular world that we work and live in. And uh, the question is as follows, where do we have a rem? Is that to heal him? Where do we have a rem? Is that to heal him is a vehicle for saving us from these challenges. Where do we have a remez? That Tehillim is the way to be saved from these challenges. If you want to leave a message by phone or dial in by phone to listen, in America, our number is 732-806-8700. In England, it's 44, like that's the country code, 33011-70250. In Eretz Yisrael, it's 02-372-0304. And now, let's go to our guests. Joining us now is Rabbi Aaron Lopiansky. Rabbi Lopiansky is the Rosh Yeshiva of Yeshiva of Greater Washington, Tiferes Gedalia. He is a prolific author and a renowned speaker. Rabbi Lopiansky, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Ari. It's very nice to be with you together. Um, Baruch Hashem. So, Rabbi Lopiansky, I literally got off the phone with somebody 18 minutes ago, and he called me to say... It means it didn't become comments yet. Yeah, it was within the 18 minutes, maybe it's already half minutes. And and his question was, why aren't people educated in general about business needs? And he said that he was recently threatened by somebody who he was doing business with, that he's from, the other person is from, and he threatened to take him to court. And he said, we have to educate people on these issues. He threatened to take me to court, and I don't know about, can you poach employees? And he started going through a number of issues that he said, I didn't even know there was an Isra of our cause. Is this typically known? I, sa- I said the Isra of cause, I think that is typically known, although people don't know the details. But certainly there's a lack, lot of lack of information and knowledge, even from people who have grown up going to yeshiva. So th- why don't we start out with the, with the following question. When you speak with yeshiva graduates who went off to work, we'll say, what are the things that they say, we wish we had had this skill, or I wish I had learned this, or I wish I had this information, I wish I had this training when I was in yeshiva would be really helpful for me. So I guess let's take a step back and understand a little bit about the the, the actual issues. The, we used to have many years ago by us, uh, a set of vadim focused on this type of, of vinyanim, all sorts of things. The vadim were not particularly well attended. And, you know, not particularly made a impression. And then boys would come back and say, oh, what about this or that? And so on. One of the aspects of human nature is things that are not relevant um, or we don't feel that they're relevant. We don't really absorb or pay attention. So even if we could design this wonderful course in yeshivas and forget about any issues regarding the yeshiva's attitudes, the the, 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 the honest truth is until it's not quite imminent, it's now, so, so the right the right thing would be that a person planning to move on into the olam ha asakim would at that point spend some time learning through some of the major issues and so on. 
because then the person first begins to understand it. And the truth is, even after that, it's only when you live it that you actually begin to, to become painfully aware of it. It's like, um, when a person learns it in, as a bacher in, in, in a sugya, it's abstract. It's, it's, it's sort of up here. When it becomes relevant, it, that's when, oh, it, it, yes, no, and, and so on. So I think it, 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 there are many things one quote-unquote wishes he learned, but, it'll, but, but it won't have an effect unless one learns it some of the nearer to the time when it needs to get uh, off the ground. Yeah, that's a, it's an interesting insight that when somebody would come and say, uh, can we know X, Y, and Z? I wish I had known. You could have said, well, we had the VOD on it and you knew that they didn't show up for the VOD. Yes, exactly. No, we, we made that comment, you know, we made that comment in a play, in a, in a friendly way. Obviously, we weren't, you know, but but the reality is, you know, something that's not Ramya Nafsis Lavadaite, things that a person doesn't feel are relevant, the mind automatically puts it into the spam section. That's 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 how mind works. So if it's a vada about business and I'm sitting in, in Vishvedish now, it goes into spam or whatever, you know, whatever the, whatever the box is. That's the reality. Right, right, right. Absolutely. So that's going to be the challenge of trying to educate in advance of coming out, unless they've made the decision. And once they've made the decision, maybe we have a uh, an opportunity. Correct. Now, uh, this is also something interesting. Um, it's difficult to have tailor. So with Hassanim, you know, be, we do have one on ones. We have groups and big yeshivas. You can have groups. I, I would even suggest something a bit more the radical side, a series of shiurim, maybe videos um, that, that so that anyone who is interested can listen. The advantage of that is you don't have to find each time an appropriate person, appropriate, uh, you know, a place and so on. Everyone is making his own decisions, his own time, his own place. At least if you have a series where a post-sake, a chashva post-sake who explains things well, we'll go over the main topics the main the main points and at least people have a framework for asking a shayla for understanding what to be a lookout for i think that might that might actually be a, a a very good idea maybe we should do a series of um headlines podcasts on on these issues in addition to the week <laughs> the issues that are controversial we can have some less controversial but uh very alone misbased uh, so we'll have to speak with sort of double lichtenstein about that and recruit the best of the best of the <laughs> for that i'm game i'm game i'm interested so so you'll have a hard time when you're arguing with somebody that you're quoting them a first headline so that's somehow i feel it's not going to quite uh pull its weight in, 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 in the argument. <laughs> yeah, but when we, when we quote Rav Chaim Cohen and we quote, uh, you know, the Gdol, yes, yes, yes. they, you know, they, they'll be our guests on the shows, then uh, we'll, okay. be, we'll be in good shape. So w- what do you think are the primary challenges? I know you, you wrote the book, Ben Torah for Life. I have it right in my head right now. The primary challenge is to be ready nowadays when somebody goes off from yeshiva, goes to work. And I think probably there are a lot more challenges since the the book was written a few years ago. The uh, society has uh, slided, um, unfortunately, to the south. I mean, not north. I mean, you know, it's, it's gone down significantly. We see anti-Semitism has raised its its ugly head. Um, we see that there is a, uh, a, 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 we used to say a man is a man, a woman is a woman, and that's no longer the case. I recently saw that the Cambridge Dictionary is now defining a male as somebody who is either born a male or decides he's a male, and the same for a female. So what would you say the primary challenges are when somebody is going to go out 
into, and maybe it's different for the secular workplace as opposed to working in a Hamish workplace. So it also depends a lot on the personality. Um, so in other words, some people are interested about their life, their style, their comfort, these major uh, quote unquote intellectual issues about a, you know, uh, relativism and this, that really is not going to be their arena of struggles. And some people, yes, you know, it depends on the bent of the person. But um, I would say in a, in a bigger picture, a reaffirming our Tachlis um, Achayim, which is what I tried to do in Metaphor for Life, is a Shiva Bachet's Torah, 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 and that's it. That's not, those aren't the right words when I'm not sitting and learning much all that much during the, the day even if i'm a big massmit and and, I, and i'm putting it three hours it's still not so i have to reschedule this is especially for the litvish people the chassidish mind it, 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 their their schmooze their mantra was and it has advantages where that that doesn't change all that much that's supposed to change that much when when i move out that's one two and this is this is a struggle on a practical level in a, in a in a shiva dormitory, it's all about chesed. It's about giving selflessly and and giving everything, which is yes, it's the right way. In a a mountain business, there is the element of adversarial um, relationship. If I buy for cheaper than you want to sell, if I sell it for more than you want to buy, I make profit. It's all about making profit. Yet. So a person who is in it to do chesed with people is not running a business. I once saw a sign someplace, this is a non-profit organization. It wasn't meant to be that way, but that's how it turned out. So, so it's not something that a, a business has to be run to make money. And that's what a business is, especially if you have investors and, and so on. On the other hand, there is what's right, what's wrong. When I need to step away and say, this is something that's totally awesome. This is something that's in a role. That's... Uh, that's a whole new set, uh, a skill set that really doesn't exist. In Shiva environment, it's sort of kolkula. If I can give every list and I have for the other friend, I'm great, which is which is fantastic on the chesed level, on soccer level. But in din, um, or it, when I do have to um, argue with somebody, when I have to debate somebody, go to din, that it be that it be matter of fact, that it not become ad hominem. Not become acrimonious, but be tachlis. These are my points. This is why I feel strongly. I'm in the right, and so on. Those, those that's a whole arena of midos that that we haven't gotten in Shiva. Right. So, so two major points. Just to recap, it changed from the focus on Torah, Torah, Torah to unfortunately being distracted from that significant. Yes. And then number two is in in Yeshiva, we're focused on Chesed, doing for others, being kind to our roommates, and like. Uh, if it's in a dorm, and now we're going out to the world of profit and materialism and acrimony oftentimes, it's about me and not about you, and that is a totally different mindset. Right. Right. That that, that makes sense. I, if we talk about the, the women being prepared, how, yes. how does it different, differ for them? It, it, it really, it, 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 they have more struggles. I know you've written a separate book for women, you know, challenges and issues, appropriately so. The... Um, in a woman, there's another facet, and that is we preach appropriately called that the sense of dignity where you, you take a step away. If you're involved in any any type of career that's a little more than that. So if you're working as a secretary in a Heimish office, so you know, every place is the shoulders, but but you basically 
if if everybody's on board, you're basically just sitting in the back room doing something. That's it. But if you if if you start working in a in a broader company, in a company with all sorts of other people, certainly a second company, certainly if you're in a career track that's high powered, you're going to be back with many people. It has to be done in a way that works, in a way that you're presentable, but never losing your sense of dignity. In other words, for a woman to open up emotionally to people outside of, of her world is is a, is a tremendous concern. So on the one hand, you have to be able to be very correct and nice and polite um, to everybody around you. If you choose to work in that world, you know, hi, Mr. So-and-so, how are you doing? I hope everything's okay and so on. On the other hand, knowing that red line between self and interaction, there's the area of you that interacts with people, that's not you. And not allowing any sense of personal connection to people around you. It's a tremendous nisoyen and not always easy to get exactly down. Right, so it's, it's basically distance, keeping a distance, but knowing knowing the balance, knowing... Right. You know, you, you, won't, you won't be able to work outside of your dollar if, if you can't relate to people outside. But having that type of balance and knowing exactly which part of you is the part that interacts and which part of you is, is Kurdish Kadashim and no outside intrudes, that's, that's a very, very... That's the challenge of it. Right, that's a difficult balance. So that, let me just go back to what we were talking before. When it comes to responsibility for our being ready for these challenges. If we would divide up responsibilities, it sounds like more the Talmudim are going to be responsible for themselves, or will we point to the parents, or should the yeshivas have any responsibility in preparations? Especially if you have a yeshiva, yeshiva they know a thousand students go out a year to the workplace, or 20 students go out to the workplace a year, or all of our students eventually wind up in the workplace, or 50%. At what point will we say yeshiva should get involved in preparing for the students, or should we simply say the Talmudian, when they're ready, you have to know, listen to the podcast, there are going to be challenges there, and get yourselves ready? So, so this is an area where really um, it, it, there's, a, there's a, a, a gap simply because of the reality. A boy becomes a chasm, let's say, age 21, 22, he's learning in the yeshiva, he has close eyes with Rosh Hashiva. He's going to be in cold for the next month, yes. So, so that the Yeshiva provides a chassan teacher, schmoozing about it, things like that. It's very natural. The norm today, are just strong as just a broad generalization. So somebody has been in cold for five, six, seven years. He's heading to 30. He's 29. And now he's thinking that next year, it's Hashem. He's going to join the family firm, go to school, whatever it is. At the stage... It, it, there's no one really that feels responsible for him. There is, there might be a colo, but the colo at this age is certainly not a hands-on type of affair. And parents are also uh, um, much minor players. This this person now has ten-year-old kids. He's, he's looking at big ramitz. So it it it, it the really to provide what's the right word for it um, resources so that if there if there would be like person, there would be a a, um, a machon, like a part of, let's say, base Hira would have a dozen sessions, you know, where, you know, and times and so on, where a person can go out and, and take this vadim or libido stuff and so on. That would be helpful. That It's not a place, there's no specific responsibility anymore because it's just the age and location of the person. Yeah. So, so, 
So the answer would be a, again, making your video slash recordings available is an Aleph. And, and certainly if a place would run these and charge something, um, so that the person feels, so if let's say, just like if he does Hassan classes, we expect to be charged so on. Here, if, if a, a, a base hero of some sort or, or, or some, some of this like would offer a dozen vadim on, on this Indian, very structured. Now, so starting not just random stuff, but starting with a curriculum that we want to give over and three times a year we have, we'd have them going. That might start becoming uh, a, 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 um, a trend and it might just start becoming where someone who knows this person will say, you know, this is the right time to, 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 to take these vadim to, to, to go to Yeshua. So what, what I'm hearing is it's, it's a technicality, really, that this isn't supplied in the yeshivas because people are going to go on to Kolel. And when you're in Kolel, it's difficult to manage, and they're pretty autonomous at that point. So we, we have a technical issue. Right. Responsibility. Right. And because of that, th we have a void. We have a void, and we have to yes. find the right way fill that void. Yes. Okay. So so in, in your yeshiva, the, the, the vadim, are they more focused on hashkafas as to financial responsibility or how to live a proper life or i mean you're not going into the heavy business issues in the yeshiva right so i guess there are two there are two ways in which we're um somewhat a bit different i guess Ari, if you advertise headlines we can advertise the yeshiva right that's that's uh that's that's what, what i'm here to do <laughs> Leave it at the best yeshiva in the world with the best rosh yeshiva in the world. I can, <laughs> I can't say that. Or one, so, I, can, I can't say that because all the other great rosh yeshiva, but right. one of the yeshivas. One, that's good. That's good. That's and good. one of the best <laughs> rosh yeshivas. So, so I'll tell you the two, the two areas. So best yeshiva is a bit of an anomaly in the sense that we're located in a community. The boys learn yeshiva. Many of them stay in the kolo. Many of them from the Kolo will stay in the community and branch out. Some go into Abolisa Kodesh, some go into business, some go into professions, you know, the range. But they all keep a Kesha with the yeshiva. Um, it's just that that's the type of, of atmosphere. So in a certain sense, when people are moving on, they will sit down a lot of times and want to go through issues when they face issues. So it, 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 it's just because of the nature of the, I guess the, the the geography, so to speak, and the, and the way it's structured, that we're able to have that cash at a later date when it can happen. The only the, the, the we don't like we told before we do not find it helpful or appropriate at a young age to speak about these things because most people it's over the horizon, it's taking away in a certain sense from things they should be doing now. But the things that you can do is certain basic uh, middles, for instance. If, if we talk about excellence being not absolute achievements, but using your potential of doing what's right, honesty, integrity, Ehrlichkeit, Yashras. So we're not going to be speaking in the yeshiva, per se, on very technical, specific business topics. But to speak occasionally about Ehrlichkeit, Yashras, and, and, and so on, these and, and achieving according to your ability, these are at least foundational um, concepts that when the time comes, it's easier to build the hemshot on top of it. If you've got the idea that it, about how valid integrity is and how much positive you do by being MS and honest, then when we talk about making sacrifices for honesty, it has what to rest on. So, so, so somewhat we hope, you know, 
that this is one of this is part of the conversation. Shiva, we hope that on this um it's able to build later on when it's when it's relevant to build up the building that needs to be built. That's really building a foundation. Yes. Very but good. It, yeah. Okay, I, I, one last question. It's not, it's not so much business, but when uh, people get out there, obviously a big challenge is maintaining our learning schedule. So not not same schedule, obviously, but a schedule, and that's obviously a requirement. Brought in our assignment, Mish, but Kovei Team Latara, and it's a challenge. It's a real challenge when people get out there because you are juggling and balancing and juggling and family and work and responsibilities. Have, have you seen any great ways? that people can keep to that any, any methods techniques that will more ensure their ability to stick with a learning schedule so i think the 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 um the it, an idea that i think i've tried to to push and so it is the following let's give an example a person needs physical exercise getting people to do exercise every day is not easy Playing a game of ball is easy. And the reason is because I translate the exercise into a toughness. I'm going to win the game. Uh, if I were to tell you to chop wood as for exercise, very hard. But if I tell you to build a table, it's much easier. You know, it's when sitting and learning is just time after take off and learn, which in a certain sense in Yeshiva, we do stress it, that prayer is, is, is bleak full and so on. It becomes very difficult. Um... But when I, if, if the type of learning is a type where at the end of X amount of time, I feel that I have a Kenyan in this Indian, that Indian, the other Indian, it, then, then it becomes something. Learning through this, knowing it, understanding it. And that's why as you learn more and you become better at it, 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 it increases, it becomes easier because we have a sense of accomplishment. So I think learning, it's structuring your learning so that you can um, feel you accomplish something. That's why some of these things like Simitas Chava has been very kinyamisefta. These things have been extremely effective. Even Dafayomi, I think there are two reasons that make it so effective. One, there's the group dynamics which should not be left at, scoffed at. Everyone does it. We get together. There's coffee. There's a famous market share. There's a this, there's a that. These are the things that really help a person. Two, it's a human. So even though a lot of people feel they don't know it well, and that's that's an aching uh, lacuna in a person, but on the other hand, the fact that he's finished us, learned us this once, it is what contributes. So if, if we can translate our learnings into accomplishments, I think that that would be a lot, a lot more helpful. So I put it probably in one world word goals. Yes, goals, real goals, and the goals are not goals that I finished X or Y. The goal is I achieved something. I know Basavachalov. I know Ilhas Hanukkah, but I know it. I've been tested, and I know it. And I feel I know it. So I have I have money in the bank. I I put I made another deposit in the bank, and that's why when I was growing up, saving accounts was so considered important because when a, when a kid got money and he splurged it there's no incentive to keep getting it's like it's boom and bust when you learn to put away and you watch your money grow and today of course we realize that in a savings bank it doesn't grow right but 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 it, it, but when i was growing up that that was the idea it gives something so learning in a way where you feel you accumulate more knowledge that after five years you know a lot more than after one year i think is a very important key to motivating people I agree. I, I do it in a little bit of strange of a way. 
um, when I finish a Masechta or I finish a, a volume of Mishnayis or a Sefer and Tanakh, I move it from where I keep it to another place. Good. And that place is right in front of me. So I see the Svarim moving from the, the further bookshelf to the, and you can look up and see, okay, now it's two volumes, now it's five volumes, now it's 10 volumes, and it's very tangible and it's right in front of me. So you, I have that feeling of, of accomplishment. Great. That, that's, a, that's fantastic. All right, Rabbi Alopiansky, I want to thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. Okay. And listen, Barry, I wish that the iron behind you become emptier and emptier, and the iron in front become full, and the sperm you put out fill up the third shell from Metz Hashem. So, Metz uh, Hashem, a lot of atzlach and everything. I'll take that, Bracha. Thank you so much. Take care, everybody. Joining us now is Rabbi Binyamin Rappaport. Rabbi Rappaport has smicha from Beth's Medrash Gavoa, BMG, Lakewood. 2002, Rabbi Rappaport, that is 20 years ago. He was subsequently a Rosh Chabura in the Mir Yeshiva from 2005 to 2011. He has not one but two master's degrees, not one but two. One wasn't enough. The first one is in applied positive psychology, and the second one is in clinical psychology, uh, sociology, excuse me. And after uh, being a Rosh Ura, he went on to be a director of career guidance at Shar Yoshev for a couple years and then for Lakewood for seven years and he has helped hundreds of students and hundreds of Talmudim find a way to financial independence. He's written on the subject as well. Rabbi Rappaport, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. All right. So nice to be here. And uh, thank you very much for inviting me to join you. Uh, it's a pleasure. So Rabbi Rappaport, I, I'm going to ask you something not so much on the subject of our show, but just something that interests me. You went from being a Rosh Chabura at the Mir Yeshiva in Yushalayim to, be to being a career guidance counselor. What inspired that move and how did it happen? Great question. And it wasn't anything that I had planned to be. You know, when I say in the boys in the mirror, I loved what I was doing. However, in terms of the future path of for my family, um, it didn't make sense to me. And I didn't really want to be involved in raising funds to pay my own salary and things like that, that I realized would likely be part of that pathway. So I went to school while I was staying in Chaburas and got my first master's and started working with young adults who had suffered from trauma and working in the family institute in Jerusalem with a lot of families. And my first placement was actually with um, you know, perpetrators of domestic violence. And then I transitioned to working with a lot of young adults living in Yerushalayim and the surrounding areas. And it was very painful work. And so when my brother, who lives in the five towns and who spends a lot of time learning in Shoyashu, said to me, hey, a lot of guys come up to me and ask me, what should I do to make a living? You know, can you give me some guidance? Can you give me some direction? He said, would you be interested in flying in you know, every other month for a week or so and meeting with guys and giving them some direction, you know, putting together some kind of a program? And so I met with Anhalo Shayashev, who were incredibly accommodating. And they said, sure, we'll see if we can put together a few guys that might be interested in, you know, and might have this need. So the first time I went, so I met with, you know, initially they made a list of five guys and once a few guys heard about it, I ended up meeting with 17 Talmudim. My next trip, the number doubled. By the end of the first year, I had met with you know a significant percentage of the Talmudim there. And it was really an amazing laboratory to learn about, you know, what do you need to know to direct people about how to answer the question of how do I make a living? And people were learning seriously in Yeshiva, who had amazing Torah values, but who also were struggling with the question of, you know, down the road, you know, how am I possibly gonna support a family? And 
to my brother, you know, Misha's credit, he said, hey, I've got a friend who works in Lakewood for Rabbi Aaron Cutler, Moshe Gleberman, wonderful person. He's still in BMG. Now, maybe BMG could use some help like this. So Moshe was kind enough to set up a meeting with Rebarn, and he liked the idea. He said, okay, we'll see if we can find you know, five guys in BMG who might be able to benefit from this kind of idea. And Hashem, it started with five guys, and it mushroomed. Uh, the 5,000. Not the 5,000 Hashem, but to many hundreds. Um, and it was an incredible opportunity and bracha. And, you know, I do have to be makir tov to Rebarn because it wasn't a given that BMG should bring in somebody like myself. Yes, I learned to BMG and gained tremendously from the Rebbeim there and from learning there. Um, but to literally pay for somebody like me to come and to provide this service to the B'nai Yeshiva, I think really came from a very heartfelt desire to help the buff and Yingolite that I worked with um, and was part of a larger vision of you know, the long-term success of the B'nai Yeshiva. So that's, that's, that's amazing that you were actually coaching people on something that you had just transitioned from and to. So uh, that's, that's, uh, it's, it's not just coming from theory, it's coming from practice as well. So th- let me ask you, what are some of the challenges, the biggest challenges that the B'nai Yeshiva face when transi- transitioning from learning to figuring out how to make a Parnassah? And uh, how do you coach them on that? What, what, what do you teach them? So let me share with you a couple of stories just to share with you, you know, a few different ways of how this um, can go. One of the first Tommy and I met with was an amazing uh, younger man. He was learning part-time at the time, BMG, and we'll call him Yehuda. He was in his mid-30s and was working part-time as an administrator in a girl's school and not really enjoying it and probably making $20,000, $25,000 a year. And there wasn't really much of a future for growth. And he had five kids. Rosha was married. Um, his self-esteem was pretty low. You know, there's some childhood trauma stuff there with his father that was, you know, whatever it was. And he really had no idea what to do. And, you know, while there's certain pathways that most Benicia are familiar with, you know, real estate, nursing homes, um, cash advance today, um, law school perhaps, maybe you could be a therapist. There are a lot of other options out there as well that people are just not aware of. And also even, let's see, you know, those are the five options on the menu. How do you decide between them if those are the five options? So one of the tools I discovered when I was working at Shreyashev was something called the Clifton Strengths Finder. It was designed by Donald Clifton, who was a psychologist. And the focus of it was how do you identify the particular areas of talent, you know, across a wide, you know, spectrum of people. And, you know, it involved interviewing millions of people and crunching all that data and coming up with a list of 34 main areas of talent. So without boring you with all the science and, you know, why it's valid and why it, you know, works and, you know, is accurate, um, I started playing with this tool. And there's different domains of strength. Like certain people are very great, great with relationship strengths, others with thinking strengths in certain particular ways, others with influencing other people, others with getting things done, executing. And so one of the things I would do with the students I'd meet was have them take this assessment to figure out to have a vocabulary to describe what are their talents and use that exercise of articulating what their talents are and thinking about them and giving feedback. Oh, well, this fits a little bit, this a little bit more. We'd have a dialogue about um, what their talents actually are and teasing them out. And based on that, we would come up with a, you know, best guesses of what are some possible pathways that might fit their particular constellation of talents. And within this 
you know, tool, the odds of you and I having the same top five talents, the same order is one in 33 million. You know, this is a tool that's used by over 90% of Fortune 500 companies. It's been taken by close to 30 million people. So it's a pretty, you know, serious tool. And I was able to adapt it with a lot of Seattle Shemaya to this population. So anyway, we came up with a few best guesses. And one of the most um, useful resources that I had when working with students who didn't know a lot about some of the options was what's something called MOOCs, Massive Online Open Courses. So there are companies and websites like Coursera and Khan Academy and others that students at no cost can go and take a couple of, you know, parts of a course in computer science or in political science, you know, or in accounting or in criminology or whatever may be interesting to them. And just like, you know, before you go to make a wedding, so there's a tasting, you know, you meet with a caterer and you'll taste a couple of different things and get a feeling for what are the kinds of flavors, you know, that speak to you and that you want to share with your guests. So MOOCs provide something very similar where students without a lot of background can have a tasting of many different things. And the reason why this is so valuable is because it's really hard to know and to make decisions without information, obviously. And also people hear a lot of things by different professions, but without having any real connections to information itself. So to make a long story short, Yehuda took a course in Coursera called CS101, Computer Science 101, that was offered by Stanford, completely free. And he fell in love with what he was learning. And, uh, you know, together we discovered a program that worked for him where he could learn how to become a programmer. And in less than three years, he went from being a pretty frustrated, unhappy administrator slash average to being, you know, a relatively competent programmer earning over $100,000 a year. That's quite a jump. Yeah. And we, we, we stayed in touch for a while because um, he was grateful. And also, you know, he continued to advise with me about, you know, negotiating for raises in salary, thinking about next steps. And so with the Talmudian that I met earlier on, some of them I continued working with for a while. So that was Yehuda. You know, so to speak to your question about, you know, what are some of the challenges, just knowing which options are out there and having a resource that's, you know, reasonable in terms of price and time investment, um, where you can get more of a familiarity and see if something really speaks to you or not. Um, that's one of the challenges and one of the solutions. So that that's choice of occupation, what career to, what career path to take. For sure. And also being able to articulate more clearly, you know, what are your personal talents? Because we all intuitively have a sense of what we're good at, we're not so good at, but in terms of having a real vocabulary to speak to the nuances of that. So Clifton Strengths Finder is a incredibly helpful resource. And also with people that are afraid of transitioning and afraid of failing, um, having something where they're seeing their strengths and seeing themselves in a much more positive light with somebody supportive that's helping them along the way can be incredibly lifting for them. Great. Okay. Let's hear the second story. That first one was great. The next one is an Avrich who was in his late 20s called, we call him Yosef. And Yosef's strengths came out with a very strong analytical mind. And while you might think that that's common to all B'nai Yeshiva, so grateful Yeshivas do a fantastic job at teaching us how to learn, how to think, and these skills are invaluable and transferable. Um, however, how to apply them and where to apply them is not so, you know, given. And also he had great discipline, great work ethic. So we went through a number of different possibilities and just figuring something out without giving a person a pathway, how to realize it, it's helpful, but not as helpful. So one of the, you know, big breathless of being part of the Lakewood staff 
is working with really wonderful Rabbanim. So the Rabbanim that were posting in yeshiva or miyaitz in yeshiva would oftentimes say, hey, I know a guy who needs a guy for this. As somebody with a business like this in my community who could use an avrit that has a particular skill. So in the case of Yosef, one of the Rabbanim that I was in touch with said, one of my Balabatim has a real estate due diligence business, analyzing deals. It requires somebody with great analytical skills that's really willing to put in a lot of hours. That's an independent learner. Somebody who can learn a lot of things on his own and figure things out by himself. And do you have any, and that's willing to work for, let's say, a starting salary of, you know, $30,000, $35,000. So not a great salary, but a good opportunity for somebody to grow and to learn. So Yusuf took that opportunity, worked incredibly hard, and three years later, He'd already transitioned to another company, was already doing some deals on his own. And last I checked in with him, um, he actually sent me a thank you email at one point that he was considering an opportunity for over $200,000. However, he wasn't sure if it made more sense than he to go on his own at that point. That's quick. Yes. So in terms of, we'll call it the brain trust, you know, in a place like BMG, it's huge. However, being able to take that and to channel it into a particular direction and to develop a particular skill set that the market, you know, appreciates, requires sometimes a little bit of help. Right, right, absolutely. It's just a thought that came to mind. An interesting thing: BMG hired you to coach its Talmidim. That's a fascinating concept. Would you typically say that it's a yeshiva's responsibility to assist the Talmidim in this transition, or would a more classic approach be that each Talmud is going to be on his own, it's not the yeshiva's responsibility, and when somebody comes to the point of needing to earn a parnas, so let them find their own path. What would you say? Is, is, is it the responsibility of yeshiva to take on a task like that? So I've given this topic a lot of thought. When speaking about responsibility, and it's a dangerous risk to place responsibility on any body beyond the individual. The reason is, when I would meet with some Talmudim, you know, they'd be bitter about getting certain advice from Rebbeim or not getting certain advice from Rebbeim or, you know, being encouraged to go down a certain path and it didn't work for them. And because they were blaming other people for their present situation, they weren't taking their own responsibility to make their situation better. Also, historically, in terms of the size of yeshivas like Lakewood, like the Iberian Shalayim, they're huge. And the same way as you know, certain people will take advantage of the resources that they provide and others will not, it's not feasible practically for the yeshiva to be on top of that many people in a meaningful way without them coming you know, to ask for that kind of help. So when it comes to responsibility, I would say that the individual has to take complete responsibility for themselves and for the future. In terms of halasa also, you know, we can speak philosophically about, you know, the responsibility of yeshiva to be marba what that might include. However, in terms of, you know, every person in yeshiva who gets married, we do happen to sign a document. And I remember sitting with David Shustel, it was my Saturday condition, and him reading it aloud to me, that I understood every word, that it's something to be taken seriously. So while I value to the ultimate degree, and I'm so grateful for the times of the yeshiva, and it has changed my life and continues to invest my life with everything that is good about it. In terms of that decision and that responsibility to take care of my family um, in a way that works for my family, I believe that that has to be the individual's responsibility. Right. That, make, that makes sense. It's, it's an amazing thing for a yeshiva to facilitate that. But uh, it, it really is. I, I, you know, I do believe it's the Fimashura Sadin, technically. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, and I just to share that also. I remember once a year, there was a meeting in you know one of the large halls in Lakewood, and it was organized by Brian Cutler in his office. 
and there would be you know all the Rosh Chabura you know of Lakewood in attendance, and all the different programs that provided different chasadim and different services to the Bnei Yeshiva. Whoever was running those programs, and there were dozens and dozens of them, would have an opportunity to present to the Rosh Chabura, so they would know when New Light would come to them with different needs, whether it was to fill in for bar mitzvah or fertility issues, you know, or chasadim different machlas. You know, I mean, it was such an amazing list of services that were geared towards helping B'nai Yeshiva. So I don't know what's, you know, happening today. I haven't been in, involved in, in BMG in that capacity in, you know, several years. Um, but it was really a beautiful thing to be part of and to, to see. Right. Interesting. So let me get, get back to choice of occupation. When somebody's making a decision as to what to do for a parna, so we, we mentioned before personal talents being something significant to dictating a direction and a choice of occupation. And also we, we mentioned Derek Agav salary as well. So obviously we're going out to work to earn a salary. Are there other variables that somebody should consider when making this decision? So I, I do want to address the salary piece of it, which is significant. It's well known that the cost of living for a normal Jewish family is quite high. And there, there is a lot of uh, variance in that. So being honest with oneself about what is my realistic assessment of the cost of living, what's normal for myself based on my background, based on my wife's background, and what do we need to be living in a way that is happy and normal, and I'm not saying excessive, but what, um, what would be normal for one is not necessarily normal for the next. You know, certain people grow up much more simply, and they're happy with that, and that's great. However, if another person would be living in those circumstances, they'd be less than happy. And you know, many gedolim in different stories have shared how you know the most important ingredient in raising happy Jews that the parents be happy Jews. So, as far as you know, salary and as far as opportunity for earning, that is very critical. So you ask what other elements should be considered. So the chavos lavavos actually has a fantastic formula, and there's a great acronym for it called PRIDE, P-R-I-D-E. And basically it's P, does it naturally pull you? And he describes there that Hashem puts in each person a natural inclination towards certain things. So when guiding people in career guidance, it's really important to know what pulls them and what doesn't pull them. And one of the resources which I'll share with you is I have a long list of different career pathways or and also pathways that people have gone into. And I'll go through them very quickly. Some of them are irrelevant. Some of them are kind of wacky. But I'll say to the person I'm meeting with, tell me on a scale of one to 10, with one being you completely hate it and 10 being you completely love it, how much should this appeal to you? I'll go through maybe 120 options. And then I will note which options did they give a rank of seven or higher to. And the reason for that is because transitioning is hard. It comes with a lot of pieces, identity pieces, fear of failure, fear of success, um, fear of you know, the world beyond the base medrash. And to make that transition successfully requires a lot of work and really staying the path. So when people don't naturally enjoy something or like something, it's very hard to do that. And also oftentimes when I'm meeting with Talmudim, they don't have a lot of bullets to waste. I mean, to say, when you're making a decision on what to do for Panasa, you know, at age 30 something, or even in your late twenties, switching paths and choosing something else and starting from fresh is significantly harder. So if you can make a better, um, educated guests to begin with about which direction to go in, it's really helpful. So the pride P holding you, something that is really... Uh, yes. Yeah, but so, see you. Absolutely. The second is R, which is resources. Do you have the natural resources within you? You know, let's say you want to go to law school. Wonderful. You know, do you have at least a decent vocabulary and decent writing skills so that when you have to write these kinds of papers, you will be successful? You know, if a person wants to go into sales, wonderful. You know, can you 
establish rapport successfully with other people who want to manage a nursing home, great. Are you able to manage a dynamic environment where you have to organize multiple things at once, you know, and so on and so forth? And being a therapist, you know, are you a person that has a healthy dose of natural empathy? So that's the R. In terms of really doing a, an assessment of what are your natural talents and do they meet the pathway that you're considering in a relatively healthy kind of way. The third ingredient is I, which is, are you willing to make the investment? If a student says, hey, I'd love to be a doctor, but I can never go to school for many years. Wonderful. You're interested in medicine and that's great. And maybe you'll want to be part of Hatsala. But in terms of being a medical doctor, that requires a different level of investment. And if you're not willing to make it, that's perfectly fine. No judgment. Great. But we'll have to find some other option. And that's time and money. Tuition money, for sure. And sometimes it will involve student debt, which is you know, oftentimes necessary. You know, are you willing to take that on in order to get to that goal? Right. Okay, D. And D is desire. You know, in the world of psychology, we call it the flow or deep engagement, which is at least part of the time that you're doing this kind of activity. Do you get into the zone? You know, does it light you up? You know, is there a certain schmack that you have in it? And obviously, I'm not, you know, you know, substituting the kind of geschmack a person could have in learning a sugi deeply, you know, or figuring out a shvertosvas. But still, if a person is going to be doing something for decades to be a to their family, and they don't, at least some of the time, have a real geschmack in it, or at least an appreciation of the excellence or being good at it or something where there's desire in it, it's going to be hard to be really excellent at it. And the marketplace does reward excellence. And you're going to be unhappy as well. And that's tough to leave at work. Yes, absolutely. Um, it is very hard to get up in the morning and to go do something that you really do not want to be doing. I'm convinced Kohelet's Paso Vesanesias Achaim is talking about somebody who doesn't like his job. I hear that. I definitely hear that. And and not least importantly, the E, which is you know the end of pride, is the Emuna. You know, to, to have Emuna that Hashem gave you the pieces of your life, both internally and externally, for a reason. And that's, you know, the same way that your career in yeshiva and your abeim and hopefully your, you know, your family and other pieces, you know, was blessed with a lot of hashkafa. So too, you know, you're making the best decisions you can to support your family in a Torahic way and having a muna that Hashem will, you know, as Hashem give you hatzlasa, you know, when you follow, you know, the pathway that He has, uh, you know, provided in terms of you know, the ethical and halakhic requirements and doing something that fits you well. So we have seven elements and then, then we'll, we'll keep on going. Uh, just to recap, we have personal talents, mm-hmm. salary, and then P-R-I-D-E, P meaning polio. Number mm-hmm. R is resources, I investment, financial time, and D desire. You have the real chayshit for it in E, Amuna, very good. Okay, so let's go on. Uh, talking about somebody who's about to make this decision, wants to make this decision, what are tools or maybe resources or maybe tips that are helpful to someone who is trying to decide a direction? Great. So I'd like to give you a handful of them that I've used and that I found to be particularly helpful. So one is the Clifton Strengths Finder. In terms of giving a hack, to have a shortcut to identifying your strengths and to really think about them. And it also has very nuanced descriptions of strengths. And to really get this whole report that they give you and underline it and go through it deeply with somebody who knows you well, or a career professional also who can help you tease out different things. But really getting very clear and having the words to describe where you excel most and also where you excel the least, you know, is a really good place to start. Secondly, you know, Gallup focuses very much on a person's doing strengths. It's a very work 
forward kind of tool. There's another assessment that was created by Chris Peterson and Martin Seligman, companion who was one of my teachers, called the VIA assessment, capital V-I-A. And that focuses much more on your being strengths, on qualities like spirituality, gratitude, appreciation of beauty and excellence, courage, humor. So there are certain parts of our beingness, and if we don't bring them into what we're doing on a day-to-day basis in our work, we're going to be less than happy. So having that balance between your doing strengths and your being strengths and having a language to talk about it is very helpful. The third is taking a what's called the Big Five personality assessment. So the Big Five personality model is the most well-known and researched model in psychology. And it has five basic qualities, that's which are you know, openness, agreeableness, conscientiousness, what's the other one? Extraversion, introversion, of course, and neuroticism. Again, whatever these things mean. So going through them and having a pretty good read on where you fit in also adds a certain lens to being able to think about what you want to be doing. So for example, let's say you want to take a job in property management, which requires collecting rent from people in a low-income environment, and you're highly agreeable, which means you would need for people to like you and you have a hard time with confrontation, right? That may not be the best path for you. That's definitely not the best path for you. Right. So that's just an example. Now, then there's a question of values. So while we all have Professor Yiddish values and Torah values, how we rank them in order of what's most important and what's next most important, you know, is not the same among all people. So there's a tool called the Stanford Value Tree, which is a really wonderful like drag and drop tool where it has different criteria for different values. And you can kind of order them based on, you know, what is your order? And also in terms of you know, workplace environment in terms of uh, that's kind of work and has different categories that are wonderful to work with. And the more a person has a clear picture of what they want, the more they, you know, have their target, you know, refined, the easier it is to hit it. Right. So, Ben, these are all examples of the tools and resources. When somebody comes to consult with you, help me out, figure out my life. I want to make the transition from Kolo, from yeshiva and get into the workplace. These are things that you supply as a suite of of numerous tools and resources to assist them in that that decision. So... Mm I, 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 I mean, we talked once before and, and uh, you had mentioned that you were at here. We also, you mentioned that you were at BMG and now you consult with individuals instead of uh, COVID came and stopped travel going back and forth. Yeah. So so now three years into that, uh, you're now consulting with um, people who are at the mirror in various places worldwide. And we have the Brachov online nowadays. So if somebody wants to consult with you, get in touch with you, how do they reach you? Because obviously there are a lot of people that are first making decisions, should I? leave yeshiva, should I not? If you're staying in yeshiva, don't contact Ben. But if you're considering the transition, want to make a, a, get some assistance in that decision, and especially once making that decision and needing help with decision as to where to find yourself. So Ben, how, how do people get in touch with you? So Brother I now work with a company that allows me to offer about 10 hours of free career guidance a week. And they can reach me at my, you know, um, my email there which is Benjamin, B-E-N-J-A-M-I-N, at trio, T-R-I-O, dot academy. So one more time, just because people may be right. uh, um, Just send me an email at Benjamin, B-E-N-J-A-M-I-N, at trio, T-R-I-O, dot academy, A-C-A-D-E-M-Y. Okay. So, so just shoot me emails, and if I can be helpful, I'm very happy to be helpful. 
Ben, I, I learned a lot here, and I know there's a lot more to talk about. We, ha we have time limitations, but I really want to thank you so much for joining us. The I insights and and uh, really the, the benefits that people can reap for you, I hope they take advantage of it. Thank you so much. Yeah, Barry, a pleasure. Joining us now is Rabbi Zulun Schwartzman. Rabbi Schwartzman is the Rosh Kolol of Base Ulpana Romeima Zib Moshe. He is the son of the esteemed Rosh Yeshiva Rabdo Schwartzman Zasal and the grandson of the esteemed as well Rosh Yeshiva, founder of the Lakewood Yeshiva, Rav Aaron Kotler Zasal as well. Rabbi Schwartzman, thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure as always to be able to uh, join with, with you uh, to discuss not just the Torah perspective, but the Divitera and the many issues that, that you are so involved in trying to uh, to bring to the more general public of, uh, I would call it, of the, of the world of Torah and its Thank you, Rabbi Schwartzman. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure to talk with you. So, Rabbi Schwartzman, let's start with a very fundamental question. Let, let's deal with America or maybe Chutzarts in general. W what preparation do you think is necessary for somebody who is going to be leaving a yeshiva of or Olel and get into the workplace? Okay, I think we we have to start with uh, discussing basically what a yeshiva is as opposed to any other educational system. Uh, we, as we know, education is, in general, is meant on the simple level to give people the tools for life and or to prepare them, to make them, give them, the, embed them with the right ideas so that they can live their life. They could they could live within society and then broader society and, and be a uh, productive member of society. In other words, education, knowledge, understanding, whether it's specific or, or more general, is a preparation. Or well, it's not, that's what school, that's what school is. It prepares you, prepares you, and therefore gives you a degree that you are capable and competent. If it's in a specific field, or even if it's the humanities, and more advanced degrees become more give you more very specialized training and uh, and abilities. That's not what uh, what limerater is. That's not what yeshiva saw. Yeshiva, the world of, of a person going into yeshiva is not to prepare for life, but that's not just, it's meant as not just the beginning of life, but it's really to define and to give a person, and give the personal life itself. That's life. And this, this statement I'm making, not in terms of if this person is going to stay in the yeshiva all his life, if the person is going to become a, a clay kodesh and he's going to be, and he's going to spend uh, most of his hours learning Torah, teaching Torah, directing people in the ways of Torah, or he'll be somewhere else. The, that which we say every day on Torah, Kihem Chayen, Yomain, is not meant, it wasn't written for a colleague of mine, for Yeshiva, but it was written for every year, for every year, it was supposed to be, Kihem Chayen, that's what we think it is. There is not true. And a Yeshiva, I mean, the, the idea of Yeshiva is, is the way we live, and we just have it from this week's parsha. This Yehuda Shalachal Hermes the follow to make the base of Talmud to make the Yishiv. It wasn't the Yishiva made so that they'll be with to send the kids to Cheder or all or, or the newlyweds to have a koila for them. It's it's the lifestyle of Klaus. It's the way Klaus will live. That's Yeshua Yehuda Shalachal Hermes the follow the man of the man of action and ability that we have to have. As well, possibly yeshiva. Are we saying we have, we have a yeshiva now? Let's understand what the yeshiva is. What it's what is the the center of of a yid's life? A yid, and this again, we're not talking. It is the Torah. The Torah begins with knowing, learning, understanding, teaching, practicing, 
And living everything you do in your life is, is living Torah. It's not that we, uh, not that we have to do certain things and li- our life is to do certain things. And therefore, the, we, the Torah will make us just do it right. We have to live the Torah. And therefore, the Bernstein gave us each one to know what his circumstances are. And that's where he'll live the Torah. Right. So, so, so Rabbi Schwartz, and so forth, what you're saying is you're making a chiluk between preparation for life and life itself. Yeshiva is not preparation for life, but it is life itself. Kiyam well, Chayinu. Yeah, and, just and on that, the, the way we have to live that Kiyam Chayinu is it's like, um, there's a, there's a word I heard from Rabbi Zev Lef many years ago, and he said, Talmud Torah Kanegakul, and Pashtas is learning is the most important thing. But he says there's a drush on that, but Talmud Torah Kanegakula means that you have to view everything in this world through the lens of Torah. Very is good. It, that, that's, the second, that's the second point you're saying, right? That, 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 that's that's right. That, that's through the lens of Torah. The lens of Torah is what is what it is. Now, Torah itself has little more You say that every day. There are four covers, there are four which is us. Actually, there's a progression, and the progression does not always mean that we finish with one and we go to the next. We start with one, and then we incorporate the next, the next stage, and the next stage, and then we have we we live a life of that whole picture of of Torah. The picture of Torah is is from from the child learning Aleph base, till understanding the Gemara, till knowing knowing the Alosa, and till till using that to how to how to start how to live different things and how to live. The Torah, living Torah, how to live it, and naturally, you never could leave any component out. As uh, life is all of them together, life, life is. That's the, that's why the one who sees life, the Torah, just means learning. No, that's like a learning that Shalom and Aslas. It doesn't mean everything I learn is incorporated to be my life and at different levels, either my perspective, either what I do, how I do it. His his Torah is not even Torah. Because Torah has to become, I understand, this is why I understand, you see, and this is me, this is my life. If, if I do it, I'll do the time, I'll do everything. The Lord, again, Lord of Maslasis means it has to be the reality of his life. It is. Even those different Torah that we learn that aren't always practical application, you know, I, I could apply, I could apply this to this case or to that. It's all, it's all, that's what Torah is. So, okay, starting back to the Shiva. The Shiva is the beginning of the beginning of life, and has to always remain the center of life. Naturally, Shiva doesn't mean the, the Shiva I went to with the Bachar I went to, or the Colonel that I went to, or didn't go to. The Shiva continues. If it's, that's the base medrash, that I have a, a Chavus at night, that I shear a Shiva at night, or that I have my 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 morning uh, call for an hour before that. How much time could I in my life spend on it? On that, I mean, each 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 person is different. But there's one there's one rule. The rule is that if you said if a person says, you know, what are you? I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm this. What are you? Tirosik says, what I do is what I am is the person who has a chafus an hour in the morning before that. Or he isn't a fearing we can help with that. I don't know. Again, I, we're not going into how a person should set it up. That depends on, on each circumstance, how much. But that's what, that's what says who I am. The term. And it, it's far to the point that that learning that I have, the rest of the day, I live with that learning. As I live with that learning. 
Rabbi Schwartz, you're not defining kva as the amount of time. It's what's right. the ikra in my life. Right, right. Right, right. You know, so, the, so they say you, you can take Yankel out of the base medrash, but you can't take the base medrash out of Yankel. Right, right, right. That's, that, that has to be. But obviously, if he's not going to be the base medrash, the base medrash is not And, and again, it's Levachner, Behechalo. It'll be, it's not the ikra, but that's the ikra. That's the ikra. Right. And to the point, it also means. And this is part of what a person has to understand that since this is the center, so his calculation of how he sets up his time is the, the most that he could do according to his abilities and according to his circumstances. I'd rather do this than I'd rather something else, not because this is a necessity, because I, I, I'd rather at night not do it, not because I, I needed my obligation to, to, my, to, to my children, to my family, to this. But you know, just I might have the I'm in a different mood and mindset, I'm in a different mood. So I mean, that's not a personal situation. Right, right, right. So therefore, we, therefore, the yeshiva is not a preparation, but it's the first, it's the beginning of 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 a life, a life of yeshiva, a life of tivasikva. And naturally, since anything that's the beginning of of the process of living, you have to enact the person with that he's really immersed in it. And that's the center and the focal point of every. That's the first. Because if he's not going to be that way, if it's not, we have a clown how lawful like person does out for showing the voice. Oh, we, whatever follows you know, a person. If a person spends a certain amount of time, this is what I do it then. Substance really, we have that we have to do more. I mean, we used to do we used to do this. We're not saying just, you know, I feel like even I mean, most people say to make sure they have a panos. And it works out well, and they could, and that the family could be supported, the children could, he could, he could be governed as 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 true Torah Jews. This is he's, he he has to do that. But in order for all that to be done the right way, like you said, that there has to be the beginning is this is everything, and it remains everything. In the context of that everything, we do everything else. Everything else gets included. It's included in that everything. That's. That's the first thing we have to understand. What when we talk about it, yeshiva education, yeshiva a boy, a boy, a young man learning yeshiva as opposed to an education. Education is not exactly it prepares a person, but it's not. I'm not learning to prepare myself. I'm learning because that's my at this stage. That's my tirosik and because that's my tirosik at the beginning. Therefore, in in a, such a total way, it's it's part of what will give me the tools to have it remain so throughout my life. So, so let, let, let's get to the yeshiva. So, okay, this is, uh, this is just, it, it, it's important to understand what, 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 we, what, what, what we're doing. Right? Okay, now we, get to, now we get to the yeshiva. Obviously, there are different types, different, different types of yeshivas, and there's, and being the different types of, the, the different types of yeshivas, there, it's, everyone should be, fo- should be focused a little bit different. But in, in general, the, the main, the, the ikat tafkir in yeshiva is not to prepare him in a sense that he'll be able to be a, uh, he'll be able to be an accountant and, and do it out there. Look, he'll be able to be, he'll be the mentor he becomes now, he'll always be made up and that's it. And, and at a certain, at a certain point, obviously when a person comes to the decision that he, let's say, He's looking what to do, what what, he's, what his future is, and, and obviously some people. In other words, if you don't have that level of that, you feel and you you don't you don't feel that you feel the burden, the needs, and the legitimate needs of yourself, your family. That you you have to uh, 
you definitely have to go out. And, and, and the idea is he goes into the category of Lambdeunas. You hide Lambdeunas today. If his name is not the father president, he will put himself to make sure he has a Obviously, And here I'll go to uh, something that maybe you'll make a separate discussion. Obviously, the most positive way for a person to, to build a personal hazard illness, that means he doesn't just, he's not just uh, a, this, uh, uh, what we call a handler and a drayer. Can he doing business? Business, and I say business is not us, but but the, the concept of the of the model, the success model of someone yeah, again not not again someone who does business because he sells a he has a product that he sells and that he uh, that, that's needed and develops a product he sells a product but the idea of you know should we call it or say I do real estate that's what we call it it's not it's not, a, it's not the person that's a professional he understands properties and he understands. The needs of, of, of people is taught, you know, he knows this, uh, he, he's, uh, he's a buyer of Solomon in, in the shop. Obviously, that is something that, in in its essence, has many more pitfalls than, in, and probably that's part of the reason that Chaivot the Lamed play Umnis, because if you don't have an Umnis, the possibility of Khalila being a blasphemous of Rias and uh, is far greater. So, so the preparation necessary is that okay? okay. Vocational. So, so let's let's okay. call, let's to, let's talk about this yeshiva. This let's talk about the the yeshiva bachar who at one point decides to be learned omens. And if the boy who's headed that way will go to the yeshivas that that allow them that the limit of omens. At the same time, meaning uh, not in the yeshiva, you go out and you uh, you learn a trade. You learn a trade, not in not in the yeshiva. That's not the yeshiva. Is the yeshiva the yeshiva is what the yeshiva is? Allows them to learn the trade, that trade which the Bodo allows them to learn the trade. And today, Bosch and most yeshivas that allow that want a boy to do it at, at a later stage, not to do it, you know, just coming out of, because that's not his preparation for life, is for his life. He's sitting in the basement, if to sit in the basement for a few years, and thank God that now, in our day and age, the ability to become a, what we call a professional without having to go six, eight years to, to, to undergraduate and graduate and uh, much, much greater. In other words, you can tell a uh, lawyer that you can, uh, you can go to law school without getting a BA first uh, from, from, uh, from regular school today. That's, uh, so, Rabbi Schwarzen, what you're saying is that there are different types of yeshivas, obviously. No, so, the, those, the liquids of the yeshiva just go learn. Yeah, well, it, and I want to explain. It doesn't mean somebody in Lakewood is, after a certain, after a certain amount of years he's learning, doesn't come to the decision that he has to go out. But he doesn't come to the yeshiva. The word comes to the yeshiva, the mindset, if I can, I will be here for the rest of my life. That's the mindset that he comes with, or he should come with. If he wants to go to, yeah, I don't know if I'll be able to. Maybe I will. And there's a lot, many of you, I think I will. But I'm coming. I'm not coming here. You know, I have found out this is this is who I want to be. How will it be possible? Won't be possible. But I turn up with a towel cloth that does be a magic here or maybe or I build this or the circumstances allow for it. But I don't know. But that's what I'm coming here to, to do. So therefore, initially, and even when he's usually when he's getting married in his first three years in Kyle. This is not, you know, see, to, to tell him at this point, think about what you're going to do tomorrow, he's not Mechuyev to And we're not Mechuyev to tell him. And also, unless he's looking at the press and you tell him, you know, what you're doing is unrealistic. You don't belong here. You're not really, you're not really learning terror properly. You're not doing things right. And therefore, let's, let's make other plans in order how, how you could be the Ben Perry's most. Right. 
His Chavrutza tells him that, his Rebbe tells him, or his wife or his father-in-law tells him. And, and, well, well, usually to the, again, the wife and the father will a lot of times tell that in the perspective because if they just want, want to stop making, making more money. <laughs> but, but, but the idea, if, if, if he's where he belongs and where's what the possibilities are, you know, the objective things, I, mean, I think after, uh, after the, clearly, honestly, taking the, his wife and his wife's assistant could live otherwise, and itself is a major factor. I'm not saying it's, but uh, with other information, you have his rabbi, or he has someone that he, he could do who understands and who understands with, with his with his level of learning, not just what he tells him himself, because yes, he he's going to rely on himself just to tell him, I'm doing great, and he's doing, and he's done nothing, and he's getting nowhere, and he's not really accomplishing it because his mind is his, his other way. It's not just a question of because he doesn't have the head one, because the person himself is just not focused properly. For people who are focused properly, are capable, each word to his own, could be capable to turn out to be a Talmud Chacham and a useful Talmud Chacham. Not just the, the, the best aren't always what we think are the brightest. Right, right. So, so we're talking about somebody who's who's now ready to go out, or people have told them. To okay, so so when you talk about in the Lakewood situ- type of situation, you said again, I'm not saying today. Unfortunately, some boys come to Lakewood and say, "I'm going to be a few years, then I'm going to go, then I have all my plans. I'm going to go, going to flip my real estate to this and this and that." So ask me. I think that boy should go to you. He shouldn't go to Lake. I'd rather let him go somewhere, which more first of all, which. He will learn rather learn a profession. Maybe he'll use that profession to do some type of business. But he'll be he'll he'll, he'll do it as a professional, not as a eventually learn a, learn, a, learn a profession. Second of all, in those in those yeshivas, one I mean I don't know all those yeshivas, but they take a yeshiva like they saw Baltimore, which I have sort of acquaintance going back many fifty years ago. That's over fifty five years ago. Yeah, no things changed a lot. So not a, the, so the better for the worse things things change that. But still, at a certain point, where the bacher has you know they make him sort of learn from use which he should definitely should then when he starts what what uh, starts studying his whatever whatever on this profession he's trying to study there are issues which he, which is a bigger focus is a bigger focus on on how loss and knowing how loss which pertains to the world that he's going to be in and every profession has its issues there's another thing also that i feel very strongly which i don't know if it's done there which which at this point, Abach is sitting in the Shiva the Chabur and striking away. He says he's learning well. Doesn't always mean that he will sit by Smash Kavus at night on Saturday. Have a, so he'll be able to learn through a black Gemara with his training properly. Start to, to do the job itself. He'll be able to, within the Shiva, he'll get the Suvia in a tremendous way because he has so it tells him it's, it's part of, you know, the integration of the whole group that it works for him. The whole environment there. Don't and he, and, he, and he comes out very well. But a person has to really learn that that's important for everybody. How he could be prepared, how to be able to go through a Gemara and a Sugi, and a Sugi, not just in a methodical, organized way, and get to learn it. He, he could learn, go through the Sech, and he learned the Sech, even when he's out of Nisha. Which is a very different learning. It's a different environment, it's a different related time. It's learning, but it's, it's very, there has to be a focus. And on the one hand, it's, it's a I don't want to call it the skill. It's an ability in, in Talmud Torah that everyone should have at a certain must get at a certain point. You have to but, get to that level of skill. Yeah, but but the person who's who's go who, who's already preparing to go out, things mm-hmm. going out, must have that. It's as important as knowing the office that he's going to be learning. Because otherwise, his kvias itil won't be real. Won't be real kvah. Mm-hmm. Help not to fall asleep at the machine, but that will not really settle. I see. They have that in in, in the Israel. They have such. 
more focused learning like that, and certain certain groups in the yeshiva, I think they do have that. Very, very important. I, I, I recently received uh, some divrei Torah that somebody puts out in the name of Ramosha Sternbach, and yeah. there he was talking about uh, the teaching of the Torah of Shem Ve'ever. He says the gedolim of the previous generation would convey the Torah of Shem Ve'ever to their students. And I'll, I'll read you this the, the clip here, and, and I want to get your thoughts on how this is, does it apply or does it not apply to our contemporary yeshiva. So he says as follows: the brisk Rav would frequently speak about the situation of his generation and our duty to fight the machinations of anti-religious elements. So he would talk about it in the yeshiva. Rav Elchanan Wasserman would also speak a lot about our duty to fight heretics. And Rav Moshe Sternbach, Rosh Yeshiva, Rav Moshe Schneider, felt that since the winds of heresy were very strong, he was obligated to speak to students about topical matters, lest they be swept away by false views. And each time he heard about a religious breach, he would be greatly pained by it and mention it in his talks in the yeshiva. So obviously uh, it's tough to compare because there were more intellectual assaults against against the Hashkafa Satora and now we have more uh, Taivadic assaults against the Hashkafa Satora. But how should the yeshivas adjust or not adjust? Should they feel that there's a mandate or necessity to get the Bachrim who are going to be going out? Should the Russia yeshiva or the Magide share say we need to prepare them for uh, the uh, Hashkafas that they're going to be in Countering, or or should that only be through a, a show like Headlines or something like that? Maybe well, obviously each each generation, each period of time, each area, each each place has its own challenges and and its own its own difficulties of uh, actually different. We could say each goal just that it creates opportunity, it creates its its problems, its its problems and its issues, and each one of these Gedalia uh, Dor. And uh, I would say each one of the, each one of those was was focusing on the issues they had to address. Really, each one has its own. I'll just say over something that if we have to understand what the situation is in in Israel, the time the Briscoe arrived, or right before that. My my father was a student of Eitzchayim. Eitzchayim went to the cheder of Yishalayim. Today, the real Yishalayim cheder, one hundred fifty percent Yishalayim cheder. He told me from his class, all coming not from real Yishalayim homes, real half of the class unfortunately ended up not being Sherry Terramits. For the other half, most of them ended up being very not learned Jews. I mean, that's I wouldn't say like Balabatim was serious created with her. It's very plain storekeepers, uh, the plainest of storekeepers, not, not the simples of them. The only two that ended up B'nai Torah, that whole class, was the Sal Zolti, Tzatzal, the one we fly, and my father, who were obviously brilliant people and people who were, who were determined for the tribe to be. So we were dealing with and the challenges then weren't challenges of uh, they were, the, the challenges weren't so much challenges of uh, of a world of enlightenment, economic opportunity. They were basically challenges in a time, especially was not just in general the Zionist movement, but the Jewish underground, which were dedicated for a, a purpose of creating a Jewish state. So I mean, this was it was not something that that was built to live here. It, it obviously. There's something where you're drawn, drawn into that ideology and society that draws people to see things differently. These these are the things that Tzifat of Israel would stand against. They're trying to explain that there's an underlying ideology that's not, that doesn't go along with terrorists. It's not just a question of, you know, of making life 
that we could live our lives independently without the guy trying to kill us. It's more, it, it, to me, it, they mean they mean something else. And after the proof was in the pudding, just I just give me that example. We can go through all the different all all, all the all of the all the different cases that you brought. Each one, what, what it is. I thought we have to address. It was happening in our day and age, in our time. We have the difficulties and and how we face that challenge. And on the surface, we could say that it's a, our world is not a world of ideology. There's no ideology of uh, socialism, communism. Uh, it was uh, different nationalism. All those. It is Taiva. It's just Taiba. Yeah, and it, we're in in the words of Chazal, it's it's the Yitzhud Arayis, not the Yitzhud Arayizol. But there's something very unique about this Yitzhud Arayis, as opposed to the Yitzhud Arayis that absolutely was always there, was always there. The the Yitzhud Arayis became not only ideology; it became the the in general the Yitz the the the, the idea of Taivas and lusting, either if it's in Arayis. Or it's in other aspects of life. I don't know, in food and pleasure, whatever, it, whatever is in, became an identification of what the what the person is about. But who am I? All of a sudden, according to the types that I have, which they call orientation, quote unquote, where the orientation is who I am. But my types define me. That's what I am. And you know, and it ends in all aspects of life. I'm a, uh, I'm a steak person. I'm a this type of person. Even in food, so I'm this type. I'm this person. Get at that person. This is what you type this up. And then we have to know how to deal with how to deal with it. So the the point is, it's really an idea. It's really a question of the definition of of the of what other is, what the telemul is, what are we, what a person is, what are you person is. Atom kuyim adam. We're not kuyim adam because we're of the chosen race. We're Kuim Adam because we're the people that decided to accept the Rebbeinah from Torah. And we're the, the people who are coming from Avraham Avinu, called out to the Rebbeinah Shlelem. And what they're called, this is the Rebbeinah Shlelem's world. And this world has it. We have a mission to to bring it to Shemayim, to bring out Shem Shemayim, the, the Rebbeinah Shlelem's name in this world. That's what we were chosen. That makes us chosen. And not only we're chosen, that's why we're, we're the Adam. And, and and that's the approach in speaking about the issues and philosophy. That's the first thing. That's the, that's the basis we have to understand that is so different. It's just the opposite of what, what it means being. I mean, there's a mensch. You know, when we were, when I, when I was growing up, probably you also, you know, even though liberal-minded people, we, we tolerated certain people who had difficulties that certain types they wanted. They wanted this. We The more liberal people, we tolerated. We know what a mensch is. This is a mensch. And we could tolerate certain. We we're, we're less tolerant, we're more tolerant. That's not the essence. If you're tolerant today, that means you're you're already a racist and a bigot and the, and the, and a chauvinist and who knows what, what else you are. It, it it means you are. In other words, the what 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 I lost, what I want is that's me. That's I. And everyone has right to be his me and his I. If my I is to be an animal, it's an animal, and that's what that's the that's the, that's what it means. Here we are. Of people with terrorist relations, this we have to enact, especially in the United States, the Baltimore who, are, who live in, in the world, who live in general society. I talk about very sheltered, you know, those elements that are that are totally sheltered, which which is also which is there. They, they were at the rubber, and that, I mean, uh, if you could really ma- manage that, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it could be to make it things easier, even though also you have to be prepared. Uh, but, but first of all, the idea is the idea that. The, 
how how we relate to to these things. You have to first decide what benchmark created or them. Even those abilities and those drives that are in a person are tools that benchmark gave a person, and they're tools for a purpose. There's only one purpose we were created for. We're created with Bitzalim because we can understand. We can understand the Dvarashim, and therefore we could we could understand our mission is to be, is to fulfill that Dvarashim and, and to make our lives meaningful by living a life of the Dvarashim. And without going into further Madrigas of the level of Lishma and not Lishma and, and how I do it only to, to be an Evid Hashem, or I do it because I understand that that's at least that's the only meaningful thing to do. I mean, without the, and then we start putting things into perspective. How and all these tools we have, some people with the tools they're given, they're giving challenges with those tools. The challenges could be a higher high to, to, to restaurant, what, what do you call it? A, a high level of tithe that, that some people have. Some have the tithes are off the, the norm and could be they, they were born with challenges. And now we have to know that we have to take guidance to how to deal with those challenges. But once we put into perspective that it's not, what defines me is to be is the anyone say the umma element to and our and living the Torah. I mean, and living going to the Torah is not just how to enjoy my life it makes it easier. But this is what life is. This is what a person is. was not set for killing man alone. Every yid says that every morning has to mirror every morning when he says no matter how many hours a day he has to work, and no matter what, what his job is. Right, right. And Rabbi Schwartz, just, just so I'm clear, this is something that we need to educate people on. Yes. Right. It's, must. It's, it's, the, it's the challenge of our time to take people 180 degrees away from the perspective of, of modern society, which is, which is probably, in a certain sense, a greater challenge than, than all the challenges we had till today. Right. right, but if we're capable of overcoming that and child and facing that, then we can go into all the details of all the different issues that are and how to uh, how to be better. Right, Rabbi Schwarzman, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure speaking with you, whether on headlines or off. Thank you so much.